He's not one of us is getting something more than the other, so to speak. He does that in all our lives. We just need to really remember just to keep our eyeballs open. Why? Well, because he loves you. Though you brought this upon yourself, and you may be paying the price, but God has an amazing way of working from within, drawing you out of that place because he loves you. And so what we need to see is that it's done in love. The purification is done in love. Natural consequences do tend to follow sin. You make choices in this life that result in things happening, people walking away, or difficulties holding you down for a while. These aren't punishments from God. They're simply the results of the actions you took. Pastor Mark will be sharing in today's message, however, that God doesn't abandon you in those times. He knows what you've done, and He knows what the next steps are going to be in your journey. Don't neglect God either. Lean into Him instead. Let Him remind you of His goodness and mercy, and allow Him to renew and deepen your faith. Well, let's join Pastor Mark in the book of 2 Samuel chapter 15 with today's edition of Come Alive. We're now continuing in 2 Samuel chapter 15. We stopped short of completing it last week, so we're going to pick up in verse 17. We see that his son, Absalom, David's son, is out to ruin him. We see that his friend has turned against him and his nation is leaving him. And so David's in a real predicament, or some people would call it a pickle or a jam, between a rock and a hard place, but I don't see it quite as a rock and a hard place. See, we can all say we've had bad weeks, we've had bad months, bad days, maybe even a bad year. But I think that God has something for us, as always, in those situations. We may not like the situation, we may not like our circumstance, But I think that God wants to do an amazing thing in that situation or that circumstance in our lives and through our lives. So how do these horrible things come about? How do these bad situations, these bad circumstances tend to come about? Well, sometimes life just brings them. It's just part of life. Bad things happen. Other times we bring them upon ourselves. And you might say, well, I never wanted this. Oh, you may have never wanted it. But you've certainly brought it upon yourself. A smoker who suffers from COPD or emphysema will often say, I never thought this would happen to me. Uh, My grandmother smoked for a hundred years and never got sick. An alcoholic may say, I never thought that first buzz would turn me into an addiction, allow me to have an addiction or give me a DUI. A young single girl might say, I was on birth control. I don't know how this happened. And so today we'll look at how this was not just an accident in David's life, but how it was in his control and how he brought it upon himself. And this all happened because of something that David did. And if you would, turn to 2 Samuel chapter 3, and we're going to look at that, and we're going to pick up in verse 2. 2 Samuel 3, verse 2. It said, So sons were born to David in Hebron. 
His firstborn was Amnon by Ahinoam, the Jezreelitess. His second, Keliab by Abigail, the widow of Nabal, the Carmelite. The third, Absalom, the son of Makkah, the daughter of Talmai, king of Geshur. The fourth, Adonijah, the son of Haggith. The fifth, Shephatiah, the son of Abital. And the sixth, Ethrium, by David's wife, Eglah. These were born to David in Hebron. It doesn't mention Bathsheba. And it doesn't mention the other wives or concubines that David had. And so we can see what's happening here. It doesn't take a genius or a rocket scientist to figure this out. David did this. David did this. He was told specifically in scripture that kings should not multiply wives or horses. Well, he did great on one end, but not on the other end. And so sometimes we as Christians think, man, I'm doing really good over here. But over here, we've got some compromise. Over here, we've got toying around. And yet, we tend to sit back and wonder, how could God have allowed this thing to happen? And we want to blame God. We always want to play the blame game. And so, the wheels of God's judgment are turning. And we talked a few weeks ago and even last week about, you know, sometimes we do things. There's forgiveness And then there's trust, two different things. There's forgiveness, and there's suffering the consequence. See, everything in David's life is in an uproar right now. It has gone to the level of, well, crazy. But think about this. It took a while for it to get there. He had all these sons and all these wives, and it didn't get nuts right away. It it took a while. And now we're going back to seeing the reaping of something that he's sown. When you sow, we've talked, it's the farming principle that when you plant something right away, something doesn't just shoot out of the ground and bring you fruit or vegetables. It takes a little while. There's a season. And so this season now is coming for David to reap what he's sown. And so again, the wheels of God's judgment turn very slowly. But let me say this, they do turn. They do turn. Is it punishment? Or is it purification? See, a lot of times when we go through these hard things and we know we've gotten ourselves into this predicament, we want to say, well, the Lord's punishing me. That would be wrong. It would be maybe he's trying to purify you. So what is God doing in your life right now? Maybe someone here, some of us today, might be feeling these the wheels of judgment turning. Maybe there's a consequence that's shown up at our doorstep because of something we've done in the past and it's here yet we may not like it we may not want it and see God does that in all of our lives he's not one of us is getting something more than the other so to speak he does that in all our lives we just need to really remember just to keep our eyeballs open why well because he loves you though you brought this upon yourself and you may be paying the price But God has an amazing way of working from within, drawing you out of that place because he loves you. And so what we need to see is that it's done in love. The purification is done in love. And so now if you want to turn back, turn back to 2 Samuel chapter 15. We're going to pick up in verse 17 now. And it says, And the king went out with all the people after him, 
and stopped at the outskirts. I like to watch movies. I was reading about a movie I want to watch and see soon, and I love those, those southern gothic movies. Anybody know what I'm talking about, like Sling Blade? You know, it's, they're all based in the South, probably because I was born in Texas, but I like those southern movies, Stand By Me, shows like that. And it's a coming-of-age movie, and so I like movies. And so when I read sometimes, I see this as David sitting on his horse and all these people crossing and he's, or on his mule or whatever he's on. He's standing there and he's looking at his city and all the people are crossing in front of him. It's a big thing kind of with Braveheart type costumes and stuff like that. But yet here he is, he's sitting here, he's watching all these people pass in front of him. Then all his servants pass before him and they're probably bummed out and they're sad and you can hear goats and sheep making noise and the, the little hooves clicking and clacking. And it says, all the Peleothites and all the Gittites, 600 men who had followed him from Gath, passed before the king. And remember, the guys from Gath, they were the downtrodden, the distraught, the ones who were in debt. They kind of escaped from Saul. Verse 19, then the king said to Atai, the Gittite, why are you also going with us? Return and remain with the king, for you are a foreigner and also an exile from your own place. And in fact, you only came yesterday. And so this guy only shows up yesterday, parks himself, and says, Hey, Dave, I'm here for you. I want to be one of your guys. And then the next day, it's like a, that same day all unfolds. And then the next day, this morning, they're all packing up and they're leaving. He's like, What are you doing going with me? What are you doing? And he's like, Well, I'm going. I'm going to go with you. And in verse 20, it says, In fact, you came only yesterday. Should I make you wander up and down with us today since I go? I know not where. Return and take your brethren back. Mercy and truth be with you. But Atai answered the king and said, As the Lord lives and as my Lord the king lives, surely in whatever place my Lord the king shall be, whether in death or life, even there also your servant will be. And so David said to Atai, Go and cross over. Then Atai the Gittite and all his men and all his little ones who were with him crossed over. Here's a guy who brought his whole family, packed up, left, And this uproar happens. And some of us might think, wow, that's kind of weird. Why would this guy do that? I mean, you know, he probably just bought a nice little house and got his fence set up and his dogs all settled in the backyard and and then he's going to leave? Why would he leave? Well, he wants to hang out with his king. I talked about how I think this was David's way when he says, no, go back. He's just testing this guy and seeing how loyal he is. And so the first act of grace that we see in David's life here as he is being thrown out, as his son Absalom's coming against him and has turned the whole city against him, the first act of grace we see in David's life is a foul-weather friend, if you're taking notes. A foul-weather friend, not a fair-weather friend. Anybody know what a fair-weather friend is? And when life is good, they're there. Oh, when the money's rolling in and the crawfish boils are taking place and the barbecues are happening, they're there. But when... There's no money to pay rent, and you're being evicted. They don't even show up to help you move. And so a foul-weather friend would be that guy that says, hey, I'm there with you. Regardless of the situation in your life, I don't care how much money you make. I don't care how cool you look or what kind of car you drive or what church you attend. I'm your friend no matter what. I don't have to agree with everything that you do, but I'm your friend. And so God's grace gives David a foul-weather friend. He is a new friend, a stranger for the most part, but he's a new convert. And so in your toughest days, in your worst situations, God will and can bring you a foul-weather friend. 
Well, we just need to open our eyes and look around and see if that person is there. So the Bible tells us that there's a friend that sticks closer than a brother. And in those tough times, there's nothing like a friend, somebody you can talk to. Sometimes, you know, I have a younger brother and I love talking to him, but I don't love telling him my problems. I'd rather go to one of my friends and tell one of my friends my problems. I don't know why that is. We were just never those kind of kids growing up. I never really told him big problems. I was the big brother. I had to take care of him. He couldn't see me having problems. And so I have a friend that I talk to, a couple of friends, and they're great. And so what do you think David's heart felt when he heard a tie say, until death, I'm going to follow you, bro? I don't care what happens, but I'm going to follow you no matter what. And so this week, I got these two letters in the mail. It was amazing. It was kind of cool. I got these two letters from people I really don't know. They're great letters encouraging me in a difficult and busy week. It was like God saying, hey, buddy, and just patting me on the back saying, I love you. I love you. I know, I see, and I just want you to know that I'm working. And I was like, oh, man, these were great letters. And so... You know, here's what I'm saying to you. Here's what we all need to hear. You don't know the trial or the difficulty that that person sitting next to you is going through. And from time to time, we just might need to let somebody know, hey, you know, I'm with you on this. I'm, I'm here for you. And that's what these letters kind of were. It was like God just saying, hey, I'm here with you. They were encouraging letters saying, hey, you know, we haven't been there in a while and we actually moved was one of them, but I just wanted to ask your forgiveness for some of the things I did and said and just nice stuff after that. Then another one is a person that just started coming and has left for whatever reason to go visit family and on his way back and and just saying, hey, you know, the other day you said something that was really cool. Just thank you. I, I just want to encourage you to keep doing what you're doing. I was like, wow, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And so, you know, the people sitting next to us. And you might say, well, I don't want to get into their business. And well, Mark, the person sitting next to me is my spouse. I know what they're going through. Do you? Do you really? Do you know all their feelings? Because, I mean, we can be close. And they may not tell you certain things, so just start praying for them and with them. And don't stop praying for them and doing things with them and being with them when things don't get better. And, you know, a lot of times you'll see people come in and they're like, hey, I need prayer, and, and people will pray for them, and then they'll need prayer. And one time I was at a church, and I heard a guy talking about something, and he was like, yeah, you know, that person always needs prayer. Like, it was bumming them out. And I remember thinking like, man, dude, remind me when I need prayer not to come to you more than once. You know, I mean, think about it. Some people might need prayer every week for the same thing, for the same struggle. And for us to be like, oh, no, here they come again. But I know what we're going to pray for today. Well, okay, good. Maybe the Lord gave you that. And maybe it's you that needs to learn how to pray. Maybe you're praying amiss. Maybe you need to gather more people. Maybe your prayers aren't working. You know, I did a hospital visit one time. And probably you guys will be like, man, don't come visit me in the hospital. And prayed for this person in Albuquerque and they died. And I was like, great, what was that for, Lord? I mean, like, why? I remember I went back, I was bummed out. They didn't die right there while I was praying for them, thank God. I mean, I'd have been like, you know what, maybe I shouldn't do that. I should just become a truck driver or something, I don't know. Quit praying for people and start hauling stuff and making myself useful. 
But I remember I went back and I get back to the church and I'm walking in and I went to go sign off on my little hospital visit card. And they said, hey, Mark. I said, yeah. And they said, hey, you know that lady you, you went to go pray for? I said, yeah. I said, she just passed away. And I was all like, and I thought it was a joke. So I'm giggling. I'm like, yeah, whatever. And they're like, no, seriously. And then later on, Skip calls me and says, hey, bro. You know, that family just wants to say thank you for you going there and hanging out with that lady and praying for her and bringing her. I brought her a little Bible and um, all this stuff. And I was like, she really died? And I remember I walked away. He goes, what's wrong? I was like, dude, I, that's horrible. And I started questioning, was I really into it? I mean, Lord, did, did I believe in what I was praying or did I just mumble some words? And I remember I just sat in the chair and I started thinking, can I remember the prayer? And he was like, are you okay? I was like, man, could it have been my fault? And he's like, no. He's like, you know, what'd you pray? And so I told him. And he goes, well, number one good thing is you remember the prayer. So it wasn't just a bunch of empty words. I was like thinking to myself, oh, praise God, maybe I'll pass this class next, you know. And, and then he said, but the great thing is, is you prayed for healing, right? And I was like, yeah. And he's like, the Lord healed her and took her. And I never thought of that being healing. That she'll never suffer pain anymore. That she'll never cry. She'll never hurt. She'll never have cancer. The Lord healed her and gave her a brand new body. She's probably up there jumping around with brand new knees because I remember she had told me she had both knees replaced and this hip and, and just, you know, from the drive from the hospital, she was gone. And so, you know, start by praying. Some of you are probably like, oh, Mark, we're not going to let you pray for us. So, but hey, let somebody else pray for you. See what happens. So I'm kidding. But, you know, it's it's not that my prayer is more special than anyone else's. We can pray for one another. It's the same God. It's God. It's not magic words. And so what we need to do is start praying for the person next to you, whether it's your spouse. You know you're responsible for all the people in this room. As Christians, we're responsible to pray and lift them up. See, they don't stop because it isn't happening. Fairweather friends stop when the going gets tough, but a foul-weather friend says, hey, I'm here, man. No matter how tough it gets, I'm going to be with you. And if I have to, I'm going to pick you up. I'm going to carry you through this with whether you want to go or not. I've had to tell some of my friends that. Bro, you know what? I know you don't want to finish strong, but whatever I can do, I'm going to try to do my best to help you finish strong. I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to call you every day. I'm going to read scriptures to you every day. I'm going to send you scriptures. And until you turn off your phone or change your number, that's what I'm going to do. So what else does God give David? Look at verse 22. Verse 22 says, So David said to Atai, Go and cross over. Then Atai to Gittite and all his men and all the little ones who were with him crossed over. And all the country wept with a loud voice. And all the people crossed over. The king himself also crossed over the brook Kidron. And all the people crossed over toward the way of the wilderness. And there was Zadok also. And all the Levites with him bearing the ark of the covenant of God. And they set down the ark of God, and Abiathar went up until all the people had finished crossing over from the city. And then the king said to Zadok, carry the ark of God back into the city, and if I find favor in the eyes of the Lord, he will bring me back and show me both it and his dwelling place. But if he says thus, I have no delight in you, here I am, let him do to me as seems good to him. So what else does God give David? He gives him a foul weather friend. And God graces David with a surrendered heart. A surrendered heart. If you're taking notes, write a surrendered heart. In the times of trial, some people find it very easy to get mad at God and want to shut him out. 
oftentimes I've heard people say, well, you know, it just didn't work out. I was angry. I'm mad, blah, blah, blah. And they leave and they're just like, I'm done with God. And so I often think, really? Like, you're a threat to God. Like, do you think he's up there going, oh, no, 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 please don't. I'm sorry. I'll do whatever you want me to do. I'll make it your way. No, he's not. He's God. It's his way, not my way. It's his way. And so a lot of people find it very easy to get mad at God, and they want to kind of just shut him out. Like, I want to have nothing to do with God anymore. I'm mad at him. And yet God says, well, I'm going to have a lot to do with you because I'm going to do stuff around you and through the people that you're hanging around and you're going to see me. So what David says is, God, I'm about to cross over. I'm about to go to the other side. And if you want, I'm cool. And if you bring me back, I'm cool with that too. And so if my career is over, God, then let my career be over. If my career as king is finished at this point in time, I'm good with that. And if you want me to come back to that seat in that place, and I'm good with that. See, he says, I know you're in control, and whatever you choose is best for me, I will know it's best for me. And we as Christians need to get that through our heads sometimes. Is No matter, we might try to manipulate a situation, and we might actually get our way, and God is a gentleman. He says, okay, cool, go ahead, do what you need to do. I'll let you do this. I'll allow this to happen in your life. But when it all blows apart, remember... It was your fault. Hey, David, how about this? You multiplied wives. You weren't supposed to. Good job on not the horses. But the wives? Oh, that was big trouble. And so now you're going to, he doesn't blame God. But what if he did? God, how could you let that happen? Why would God, you know, I've actually had it said to me before by somebody, why would God allow me to do that dumb thing? I was like, really didn't. I think I was the guy that you talked to before you did that dumb thing. And I said, you know, here in the Bible it says don't do it. And I'm telling you not to do it as your friend. I can't force you not to do it. But you said you were going to do it anyway. And you did it. And now you're really, that's how your mind works. I mean, you're an intelligent human being. You can think. And this is the way you think things through. That it's God's fault that you chose. Come on. Well, yeah, I really, I'm just going to be an atheist and I hate God. I said, well, I think you're trying to shock me, and you're not. So what I'll do now is I'll just get up, and I'll leave you, and you can hang out here at this McDonald's Playhouse all you want and hate God all you want. And you know what? I'll just drive down the road and ask the Lord to forgive you. A couple weeks later, a guy called and told me how foolish he was and how he was tired of eating crow. And I was like, well, you know, quit saying foolish things. Quit doing foolish things. Sometimes we just have to think things through. The book of 2 Samuel continues the story of David, the second king of the nation of Israel. From his ascension to the throne, to his battlefield victories, to his sins and failures, God continually describes David as a man after his own heart. This distinction reminds us that though we fail, our God still delights in having us a part of his family. We can bring our sins to him in an attitude of repentance, knowing he offers us grace anew for each morning. We'd love to pray for you and encourage you in your journey of faith. So please give us a call. Let us know how you heard about Come Alive and feel free to ask us any questions you have and we'll do our best to answer. Call us at 281-391-5503. Do you live in or are you visiting the Katy area? If so, we want to meet you. 
Here's Tracy with more information. Calvary Chapel Katy is a great group of Jesus followers who are ready and waiting to welcome you into our family. We'll make sure you find a friendly smile and a listening ear. We genuinely want to get to know you. Come and see us on Sunday at 10 a.m. or find out more about our men's and women's Bible studies. Give us a call with any questions and to get directions. Our phone number is 281-391-5503. See you there. Thanks, Tracy. Tune in again for more from 2 Samuel right here on Come Alive.